Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast. This episode is Helpline with Mothercraft nurse extraordinaire, Chris Minogue. If she can't help you, nobody can. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Feed, Play, Love and this helpline with Chris Minogue, Mothercraft nurse who has been doing this work for 30 years. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm very well today. Chris comes in every week to answer your questions. It could be you have a baby who's not settling. You might be having problems breastfeeding or feeding from a bottle. Any of your questions, Chris has seen I reckon all of them. Yeah. Um, it's also a time when you can ask about family dynamics, yeah. behavioural issues, tantrums, that sort of thing. There are a number of ways you can get in touch with us. If you're watching us live via Facebook, just pop your qu- questions underneath. If you are listening to us via the podcast, the email is helpline at parentbrand.com.au. And of course, our favourite way to hear from you is if you're listening live to give us a call. And that number is one 800 Now, our first question comes from Lauren. She has a one-year-old who's throwing tantrums. She writes, I'm a mother of four. The ages are 12, 10, 2, and 1. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) At the moment, I am really struggling on a day-to-day basis. As our youngest, who is incredibly needy and demanding, um, he's to the point where if I'm washing up or folding, etc., he's at my legs, pinching, screaming, and punching me. I find it hard to go anywhere as they both throw tantrums and then hit and bite each other constantly. So I'm stuck at home all day, which is taking its toll on me understandably. I'm open for suggestions and have, she included a video, this was an email, included a video of my youngest while I attempt to fold clothes. So what we're doing, you can't see the video, but we can all hear it. So let's, Mm. um, we'll put on our headphones um, and let's just have a listen to what this tantrum sounds like. Let mommy fold her clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Baba, not a happy little chappy. No, one. not at all. And I did also get a quick look at the video because it also t- shows us a lot more about what's going on for him. And he's quite upset about his mum doing the washing. Um, and there's really a really big gap in ages. So you've got 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds who pull us in a different emotional need. So they might be more independent, but they have, you know, it's more mentally, how do you parent them? And then you've got a two and a one-year-old. So you're a mum who's pulled in both physical ways and mental ways. And I think this little fellow's just saying to you, but I need more. And this is, I am sure lots of parents go through this balance. Like, how do you get things done with a temper-throwing one-year-old? And in this case, I think he was just looking for attention. And we haven't got the context of what was happening that day. But maybe um, it's quite reasonable that you were folding the washing and that he should have been able to be able to work through that. So the first thing I would do with him at the moment, for some reason he needs more of your attention, is to maybe put the washing on the floor and involve him in helping you. So he could hand you something and you could fold it, then he hands you something. Now that's not going to always work. He needs to be in the right space to be able to do that, to include him. But as a little one who's throwing lots of tantrums and the type of tantrum he was fl- he was throwing, which was clawing at you and trying to get your attention, I think we needed to stop what we were doing and just to stop him and to, to help him calm down. So if it had 
been hours of this behaviour, I can see where you get to the end of your tether. And in that case, I might remove him for a little bit and let him calm down. But in the case of folding the washing, I'm probably trying to work out how important is one thing over the next thing. And if you're already having a difficult morning with him, maybe including him in what you're doing. Mummy's going to do the fold the washing, let's sit on the floor, you hand the things to me. Even if he's sitting on your lap and he's handing it to you and you're folding it quite awkwardly and putting it down here. I know that takes more time and more patience, but what it does is alleviate one of those tantrums. So for that particular tantrum that we saw on the video, I think this is about stopping getting down at his level, calming him down. Um, If he really does bite and kick and hit, just removing him for a minute, saying we don't bite and hit, and then trying to bring him back into the activity, such as, can you hold this for mummy while she folds that? And that might um, decelerate or, you know, slow it down enough for you to take control of his behaviour. But I think the tantrums is because everyone's been pulled in different directions and I would need to sit down with you and say, okay, well, what's important? What's going on? How tired are they? What? How much sleep do they get? All of these questions. But in that particular instance, I would have stopped and tried to include him in it. And she also mentions that... Um they both, if she's trying to go out, they're both throwing tantrums, yeah. so the two-year-old and the one-year-old. Um, have you got any tactics on how to deal with two small ones who are throwing a tantrum at the same time? <laughs> well, it's the same as twins, really. Twins could okay. throw tantrums at the same time. And I think um, for them both to be throwing a tantrum at the same time, you've probably started the day, hasn't started well. So we already know that that could be a possibility. Um, it depends on what how, what age they are. Is the two-year-old closer to three or is he closer to two? And is the one-year-old a bit older or a bit younger? He looks about 15 months in the video because he's standing up and he's, he's at his mum. Um, so I think in this case, if you literally had them both tantrum, I'd put, putting them back in the car and going home. I can see why she gets stuck at home, but sometimes you just have to, you you just have to end it. There's no way of getting around an easy solution to two children tantruming, but there'll be a reason why. Right. So, so look at what happens before. Yeah, look at their whole day. Look at what they might have been pushed to have two children tantruming at the same time. Something's gone on. They haven't slept well overnight. They're maybe not sleeping well. They're not eating well. Um, maybe the two-year-old's in the middle of giving up a day's sleep and the one-year-old's in the middle of just having tantrums. And that's a recipe for disaster. So the other thing to think about is look at your support and maybe taking a little bit of time out for yourself and having someone like your mother, your sister, your best friend come in and look after him for an hour or so so you can get out and do something and take a little bit of time for yourself. Yeah, that's great advice. Good luck with that, Lauren. Our next question comes from Gemma Bree. She has a three-and-a-half-year-old and a 14-month-old. I have two lovely boys. Um, I had so looked forward to the moment they met and was picturing something (laughs) YouTube-worthy when my (laughs) three-year-old cried because he loved his brother, his new brother so much or where he held him and he didn't want to give him back. We've all seen those videos. They're lovely. Alas, the introduction was met with indifference by my elder son. I told myself it was fine that the love would grow and I was expecting expecting too much. And over the last 14 months, I seem to have been telling myself this on a daily basis. (laughs) It's okay when he starts laughing and sitting up, then he'll be interested. It's okay when he's playing more and moving around, then he'll be less hostile. I've tried being hands-off and letting the natural curiosity in each other grow. I've tried facilitating interactive play. I've tried setting up shared activities and doing brotherly story time. (laughs) 
Wait, there's more. I've tried separate play areas and combined play areas. I've tried shared toys. I've tried one-on-one time with the older, with both me and dad. We've tried conversations about how much the younger one loves the older one and talked about our family structure and how special it is to have someone who will always be there. But it's all been to no avail. My three-year-old wants nothing to do with his little brother. He constantly says, can he go to sleep now? Or let's leave him here, usually at the supermarket. (laughs) And the constant, stop it, Finnegan, don't touch that, Finnegan. Even if the younger one is playing happily by himself while I'm playing with my three-year-old, he will stop playing to take the toy of his brother saying, that's mine, Finnegan, even if it's not. I've tried using respectful parenting techniques, all the respectful parenting techniques available. I've tried using natural consequences, like if you can't share your toys, we won't be playing with them now. I've tried talking to him about it later when it's just the two of us, but it just hasn't changed. He wants nothing to do with his brother. He's great with his cousins, both older and younger, has friends at daycare, is great with cooperative play, and is generally delightful. He listens well, is great at independent play, is imaginative and hilarious and tells these brilliant stories for such a young kid. But he's just so mean to his little brother and it's upsetting to see. I was told while I was pregnant that the introduction of a new baby for a toddler is like the emotional equivalent of your husband bringing home a new wife with no explanation. Oh, goodness. I tried to prepare <laughs> I tried to prepare my son for the arrival as much as possible and I don't think I created too high expectations. Maybe I did. But it's like he still hasn't adjusted to his brother being part of our lives. I know part of it is my expectations. Maybe I've seen too many Instagram pictures of siblings cuddling (laughs) and should recognize that every family relationship is different. But instinctively, I feel like there is a disconnect between the boys and I feel like my 14-month-old is starting to react to it. Should I just let it go, keep doing what I'm doing? And fingers crossed, they love each other so much they form a folk band together when they're older. Or is there something else I should be trying? Or is this an indicator of something else? That seems drastic. But I just want to make sure I'm doing right by both boys. You're absolutely doing the right thing. And you've tried everything. And I think um, we have to accept the fact that the friendships in brothers and sisters don't, doesn't actually form until much, much later. True. So don't force it. It doesn't really happen. There's no loving R moment, not even in twins. So I think what you described is most households. Oh, absolutely. It's Abs- definitely what was in mind. N- yeah. So yeah. the R moment and the sun softly setting behind a newborn and a two-year-old, I mean, I've done nursing in hospitals for 30 years and haven't seen much of that. So and that's why they go viral, Gemma. Yeah. Because nobody sees them and they go, oh, oh is that a lovely moment? But I want that I to be my thing. what you're experiencing isn't unlike what most families are experiencing and that as long as you give boundaries around their relationship that there's kindness there's respect there's empathy and sympathy if things go wrong then you are giving them the basis to form friendship later on Mm. and I think if you're reasonable about that this will actually just smooth itself out in time but I think that time will be when you have a three and a half year old son and a five year old and they can play Lego together exactly I think you Mm. have to hold your breath a little bit protect your 14 month old a little bit you know what your three and a half year old's like I think the things you're doing are right you know as in trying to be an inclusive family giving them individual time and to discipline any behavior that you feels unworthy of each other Um, But I think this is a time thing. I think your 14-month-old needs more language to iterate with your three-and-a-half-year-old. And and I think they've got to find a common 
common denominator that will allow them to develop their own friendship. Mm. I don't know many three-and-a-half-year-olds who are beautiful to 14-month-olds, but I'm sure they're out there. Oh, share. The whole concept of share is just way out there. And I've got to say, my kids now, so my youngest is almost five and my oldest is seven, um, they probably started playing together Mm. maybe a year ago, so about the same time Chris is saying, just warning you, Gemma, that when they start playing together and they like each other, they also gang up again. No, no, no. They they fight, they love, they hate. Yeah, it's like any relationship. mm, But I don't think it was anything you did. I don't think, I think we overthink it far too much and I think that, you know, I have five brothers and sisters and I can't, I can't remember a time where I was manically in love with any of them and that there were just times where we flowed in and out of the relationship between us. And certainly when you have five, there's a lot more options than <laughs> one. <laughs> but, and I did feel sorry for the people with only what two children in the family. What happens when you don't like that person? But I actually think you're setting up the right boundaries for them to establish a relationship. Mm. But I think it might be just a little bit early and, and just, you know, give them those basic and they will sort it out. But I think it's when one is three or four and the other one is five or six that you see all your hard work come together. Yeah. Well, Hold in there. There you go. That's like a, a big high five for all yeah. the work you're doing. Yeah, well that's right. You're doing all the right things. Brilliant. <laughs> Chris Minogue and Helpline on Fee Play Love will be back answering more questions right after this. Sometimes parenting can be challenging and sometimes it can be a downright laugh. What we're really talking about is your son thinks babies are made through hugging. You have to rectify this problem, Because now every time he hugs you, he's like, are you pregnant or am I pregnant? I'm Siobhan Hunt and The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast I host where we invite a mum and a dad to discuss the events and stories of the week. The Parent Panel, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to your questions with Helpline and Chris Minogue. This question comes from Ali, who has a 16-month-old. Hi, ladies. Any tips for a 16-month-old who has recently development atta- developed an attachment to mum? She'll push dad away or whinge, cry if dad tries to give her dinner, bath, change her, etc. if mum is there too. Stops crying, crying instantly if mum steps in or gives her a cuddle, making both dad and mum sad. <sighs> It's like they've got a chip in their brain at about this age to say, let me see how I can segregate my parents. Um, I think in this case, children often will attach to one parent at different times in their life. They get more needs met or they just feel more comfort from that parent. I think this is another one where we overthink it because I think as parents, you have to back each other up. So if dad's decided that he's going to do the bath, the only thing mum should do is back dad up. So if mum comes to the rescue with a cuddle and a calm me down and it'll be okay and I can give you dinner, then she's just going to play on that a little bit more. But if dad was feeding her dinner or trying to give her a bath and you come in to support him and say, daddy's going to give you dinner now, it's time for Danny to feed you and you both sit there and help feed her, then she's going to see you working together. Um, so I think in this case, as long as you're backing each other up, you're doing okay. 
but don't come in all the time and rescue her from daddy because you're coming in with your superhero cape on at this point and daddy's sitting there feeling a little bit sadder and a little bit sadder. Mm. And I think as parents you need to, where you can, be seen to be doing it together. So we know she's attaching to you at the moment. She'll grow a few months older and then dad will be able to play rough and tough with her and she'll agitate more or move across more to dad. So children do this all the time where they feel their needs are being met by one parent. And and I think where possible, try and be together to move forward and be reasonable about it. So, you know, if she's had a really tough day, I wouldn't suddenly say daddy needs to do the dinner and the bath because she'll be so stressed by the time you put her to bed, it'll all fall apart. Mm. But I think where it's reasonable that daddy's coming to do something for her, that, you know, she you need to back him up and be there with him and both of you do it together than just one of you going in and one of you rescuing. Yep. So keep it consistently. Oh, she says, thank you. We try to do that. Do you think it has anything to do with me going in at night when she wakes or sleeping in her room if she doesn't resettle early in the morning? It could do a little bit because they, she's getting a lot more comfort from you. And I think if you can mix that, mix that up a little bit, um, that might help. Because if you're sleeping with the room, in the room with her, that's a strong attachment because they look out for you. So maybe just try not the sleeping in the room with her and that you both go in and out to do some settling and see if it but this part this will pass it will pass and suddenly dad will be all the flavor but I think if you're sharing the load as much as you as possible it will move you will move through this yeah she still loves her daddy yeah just not at dinner time yeah and (laughs) it's not when she's tired actually and if it's any consolation to your husband my son did this to me so he was always going for For his dad. dad Oh my God, it broke my heart. But poor old, um, if if I can give your husband any advice, what happened to me was when my son was always after my husband. Now that he's older, anything he wants, I give to him because I'm like, oh, you love me now. Thank you. So just don't okay. go too far. It's not a competition. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was just that, oh, he wants to cuddle me now. Okay, I'll cuddle you. I'll carry you. Yeah. And then I get a bad back. So yeah. just saying, tell him your husband, don't swing too far the other way by the time she comes back to him. That yeah. was my mistake. Yeah. That's just keep it on the even trail. And I think you'll find that she'll just oscillate backwards and forwards when she needs to between parents. And, and most children would do that, you know, so they know they can get, a you know, an extra story out of dad. They know that they can get something from mum, you know, extra long in the bath. So they'll oscillate between these. And I think, you know, the underlying thing is that you parent together. Mm. Yeah, it's not a divide and conquer type of thing. Good luck. Um, this question comes from Liz. I'm a recent second time mum, but I seem to have forgotten everything about (laughs) newborn sleep. My daughter is eight weeks old um, and we are currently rocking, holding, shushing and feeding her to sleep. It worked well for around the first four to six weeks, but is now taking sometimes over an hour and a half to get her asleep and to stay asleep. Her eyes will pop open as soon as we put her into the bassinet. This currently occurs for all naps and bedtime. I know that it's too early to sleep train, but I'm hoping to implement some good sleep behavior from early on. Plus our arms and backs are getting sore. Is it possible for a young baby to self-settle or do you need to wait until three or four months old? What else can we implement to save the long put down process? I think it's about good sleep strategies. I don't think it's about whether she's sleep trained or not. I think it's about building strong bases of sleep that you can build on as they develop and mature. 
Um, and it's a very, as you know, it's a, such a it's such a diverse topic and everybody has an opinion on it. But probably all that's happened is at six weeks, babies are very alert and very aware. It's like their eyes open and they're switched everything on. So I think all that's happened is at six weeks, the only thing I do differently is that I put them down awake. So she's fed, she's had a play. So she's in feed, play, sleep. She's had a play. You notice she's getting tired. You wrap her up, you give her a cuddle, you calm her down. So you're getting her ready for that sleep space. You might take her into her bassinet, um, dim the room because she's much more alert and aware. And then you need to put her down first because I think the problem you're doing is you're getting her off to sleep, which is still taking a length of time because she's watching you bounce or pad or shush her. And then um, when she wakes up, she doesn't know where she is. So you need to put her back down. So we're going to start the pattern by putting her in her bed, tucking her in so she feels nice and secure, even if it's just with a cotton sheet. Put your hand on it, a little bit of a shush pat, and then leave. And she'll lay there for either 30 seconds or three minutes, and then she'll start to whinge and cry, and then go back and start doing some settling into her bed. Now, I give myself a good three, five minutes of settling, then I pick her up, calm her down, you know, get her a bit more sleepy, put her back down, eyes not completely shut, and repeat the process. So all I think you need to do is turn around what you've been doing. So instead of doing this first, we're doing this later, and we're telling her this is where you need to go to sleep. And that would be the right information for her age. So we wouldn't be doing sleep training as such, but we're setting down those really strong sleep behaviours that are going to be the stepping stones to create good sleep behaviours in the future. That sounds like a great answer. Mm. Well, they're all great answers. Yeah, um, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, the qualified lady knows what she's talking about. Um, It's just interesting, though, in that initial period, I think that we do often just think, there's, there's nothing we can do, do. because they're so little. But yeah, and I think that's about steps. information. Yeah, it's just laying down basics. So under six weeks, you cuddle in a lot more mm. and it's really easy to get stuck and suddenly they're nine weeks old and you're still cuddling because you haven't realised that time's gone past. But it's that six-week mark that I say, well, let's put them down first and then settle them because then that tells them where they're going to sleep. So interesting. I think we're going to have to do a whole hours, a whole, a whole <laughs> interview just about how you introduce up good sleep yes, patterns. We good sleep st- steps. Yeah, we'll keep you in, yeah. keep you um, informed on that one. Next one comes from Leah, who has a two and a half year old. She wants to know how much sleep they need. My son always slept for one and a half, two hours during the day and throughout the night from seven to seven, but he's in a transition period at the moment. He's waking, taking one to two hours to fall asleep at night, waking during the night and waking early. So I suspect he needs less day sleep. I can't seem to figure out how much though. He goes down easily between 12 and one is and he's always up by 2, 2.30 latest. Yeah. I've been waking after 40 minutes, one hour. I've tried no nap, and he seems to get overtired or takes ages to settle at night. A guide on managing this transition would be so helpful. Oh, this is the easy one, Leah. Of all the questions, this is the easiest. From when they wake up from their day sleep, they need five to five and a half hours before they go to sleep. So if he's waking up between 2 and 2.30, he would not be tired before 7.30. So you might just be putting him down a little bit early, 
But at two and a half, it's also reasonable that they start to decrease their day sleep and eventually it's usually gone somewhere between two and a half and three. Just take a little breath when you hear that piece of news. Um, So for a two and a half year old, I'd probably put him down at one and get him up at two. Um, So we're organizing that sleep because if he has 40 minutes one day and an hour and a half the next day, he doesn't know what, how much sleep is, and he's going to get really overtired really quickly. So if he wakes up at seven, I'd put him down at one, I'd get him up at two and I'd put him to bed at 7.30. And that might just level everything off for you over the next few weeks. Then when you see movement with that nights, then you know to decrease from an hour to 40 minutes. So you put him down, you get him up after 40 minutes. He will be very cranky when you get him up at 40 minutes. So usually at that point, I usually put him in the car where he just takes a really light sleep um, for about 20 to 40 minutes and he hasn't dropped into a really deep sleep, but it's enough just to tide him over to get him to that 7, 7.30 window. And then you'll find that once you regulate the sleep in the day and get it in the right spot, his nights should fix themselves. So have a go at regulating the sleep. And then if you have trouble still with the nights, then give us a call and we'll work out what we can do for you there. Thank you very much for that question, Leah. This one comes from Rachel. She has newborn twins. Sleep or lack Lack of? of. (laughs) Born Premier. Chris, I hear you are the twin guru. Yes, she is. Please help me. I have newborn twins, a boy and a girl, born Premier at 34 plus four weeks and are now 10 weeks in the world, four weeks corrected. I think she's probably too yeah, tired to work right. it out. I also have a 23-month-old girl. Oh, Lim. Crazy. <laughs> anyway, Rachel. she needs some advice. Oh. We have been feeding them at the same time since birth. One wakes, we wake the other, and yep. I use the twin credible pillow yep. thing to assist feeding with bottle. It's express breast, fe- um, breast milk, trying yep. to move to formula, but my boy is reacting poorly, so expressing still. Yep. We're trying to push for three-hourly feed as they both have troubles with wind. However, my girl twin is a poor day sleeper. She usually wakes after 45 minutes and cries. I pop her dummy in, pat her till calm and eyes closed, dark room, white noise and exit. Most of the time, she doesn't go back to sleep. But as they are only up for one hour, it means I have to try to push her out for a two and a half, three hour feed. This is very hard and very hard with a loud toddler also wanting my attention. So question is what um, my, so question is what should be their uptime? She looks a little wired after one hour and he's often falling asleep. Do I follow sleep guides for four week old or 10 week old or somewhere in the middle? When can I actually sleep train them? <laughs> Still feeding three hourly overnight and a pretty good sizes now. We're around four, four kilograms, kilograms from two weeks ago. Yep. Okay. So this jungle I do a lot of, which is the twin and the prem, the prem twin and twins. So I've just literally come from a couple to help them with this scenario and a very similar scenario. And what you have to do, why it feels so chaotic is because usually – when I talk to parents with twins like this, I have to work out where they sit developmentally to tell you what routine to use or what rhythm to use, whatever the word is that you'd like to use because of that prematurity. Because over the weeks, they're obviously going to catch that prematurity up. So four-week-old babies feed regularly and sleep really well. 
so it doesn't sound like your babies. But 10-week-old babies stay awake really easily for an hour and a half. Um, they're quite bright-eyed. They're ooing, they're gooing, they're smiling. They can bat toys. You know, they're quite alive and in the in the space. And in this time frame, they're probably somewhere in between, and that's why it's getting confusing. So I would pick somewhere around the six to eight week mark, six to seven week mark, and creating day and night. So it this is quite a complex question because I need to know how much they take in the bottle. Um, because if they're feeding three hourly and getting the right amount in the bottle, we should be able to start to see them extend at night um, by giving you some four hourly windows or a four and a five, depending on where they sit developmentally. So this is really complex because I need more information okay. to, to help you out. But if you could send me how much um, they're feeding, how much you put in the bottle, I can give you a bit of an idea. But this is, it's not a quick answer mm. because they could be awake for an hour and a quarter. They could be awake for an hour and a half. They should be sleeping together. They need a minimum of an hour and a half sleep in between. Um, but if they're okay. closer to 10 week old, then their sleep is about to change. All right. So a well, little bit more complex. Rachel, if you are watching this live on Facebook, yeah. try and pop a few more details Details, there. and then I'll give you a bit of an idea back. Yes. I'll, I'll send an email back to you. Okay, brilliant. Our next question comes from Alana. I have a nine-month-old boy who likes to settle <laughs> with physical contact. Happiest in our arms, but we're teaching him to fall asleep in his cot holding our hand. Yeah. He will pull our hand to his face. It's pretty yeah. sweet. But if he's upset and I go to cuddle him, he uses my face and neck to self-settle. Fish hooks my lip, yeah. stabs my gum with his tiny razor nails, <laughs> scratches my lip, and pinches skin on my face and neck. I've ended up with bruises and a cut lip. Ouch. Oh, we cut goodness. his nails regularly to minimize the pain, but if I take his hand away, he need, he gets more upset, so I tend to endure it just to get him to go to sleep. God, this sounds familiar for me. <laughs> oh, does it? <laughs> That's scary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't so bad when he was three months old, but now those fingers are strong and they hurt. Oh my God, I'm so with you, Alana. How do I teach a nine-month-old this isn't okay, especially as he's drifting off to sleep at the time? I just have to preface whatever <laughs> Chris's answer is. Alana, my daughter did exactly this, only she didn't pinch my face. She pinched inside oh, my right. arm she here. And I was bruised. often, often bruised. Like I did do remember I was, that, actually. Yes, and I was exactly the same. I couldn't get her to sleep any other way, so I just sat there and she's pinching me and I'm going, I love you, but that really hurts. You need to substitute yourself for something else. Mm, yeah, I tried that. So they are, <laughs> yeah, but you need to try it with more gusto. <laughs> I give it a try. Um, she's very tactile. He's very tactile. Um, so he's got that very tactile response of pinching or they're, they're actually grabbing. Um, I actually saw a client, they held their child's hand for 13 months and they were very, very tired people. <laughs> so we need to find something that is safe for him to have, but is big enough to him for him to get a bit of contact with. So something maybe with a long arm, but it's quite skinny, so it's quite safe, so that he's got something to... Substitute or uh, something solid. What's your advice? materials usually? Because when a baby's being held and they're touching you, there's mm. quite a lot of depth to that right. touching. Yeah. So I don't think the material would work. Okay. I think something like you know those bunnies, you know those that, that yeah. have got ears and 
Um, they're quite rounded. It's, it feels, and when you're holding him, I'd put it there for him to start um, sort of going across, transferring that tactile response to that. Now, I know lots of people are going to say, oh, you can't put anything in the cot with him. But for this little fellow, it's the problem's actually going to get worse. And I think there is something safe. We could give him like a really skinny bunny or something like that. But that's the way you're going to have to change it because he's just getting used to all that. The other way to do it is if you don't want to do that is when you're holding him because there's also the problem of you're holding him to sleep. So every time he wakes up, you've got to go back to it. But you keep removing his hand down. So as soon as he goes to do it, you bring his arm arm down. Don't hold his hand. Just bring it down to his body and, and hold your hand over the top of his and shush and pat him. And just keep removing him so he stops doing that behaviour. So he just you just spend a whole couple of days, just every time he does it, you bring that hand down or you put him down. Bring it down, put him down. Then pick him up, give him a cuddle. When he does it, bring it down, put him down. But that is actually lots and lots of pick up and put it down to do it. So one of those two methods will probably work work out for you, but he is tactile. He does want to be tactile, and they're usually the kids that walk around with the Linus blanket for a long time, you know, <laughs> carrying it down the road because they need that sort of... T- yeah, they do. They do. And so that's why I think a piece of material with the head on it mm. wouldn't work because there's not enough depth to it. You need something to hold on that, to. Yeah, that he's used to <laughs> to biting in on and some and and t- just using his fingers on. So I think that's the way you've got to transfer it across to something else. Mm-hmm. And you won't want to hear this, Alana, but the way it worked with, out with my daughter. Yeah, what did you do in the end? Uh, I just endured until she stopped doing it. But, um, oh. yes, yeah, that's why I said she don't want to hear it. But the other thing, the interesting thing about my daughter is that she stopped doing, I think we might have done something similar in terms of, because ta- nothing worked when yeah. I tried to tra- to transfer it across. Nothing worked and we tried so many crazy things. Um, Did you try putting it down? Of course not. Don't be silly, Chris. No, it's the first child. Uh, <laughs> yeah, first, second child I definitely put down in the cot. But in in the in the interim of transitioning her to um, not pinch me, she's ended up. She's seven now, and she pinches herself, herself. not as hard as she pinched me. Yeah, funny that it hurts her. Yeah, but she still does that for comfort. It's that tactile mm. response. It's quite interesting. You know, it's like the finger suckers and the hair twirlers. Yeah. You know, they yeah. start by you see them breastfeeding and they're twirling their mother's hair when they're yes. breastfeeding. Yes. So it's that I've tactile that. response. And we've got to be able to transfer it across to something else. We don't want to take away the fact that they're comforted by it. They're comforted by it. We just don't want them to hurt you. Again, not with a split lip. So I think this is a really different, a difficult one as well. But think of if it's tactile, she needs something to hold or something in his hand to be able to do it. Mm. Okay, well, good luck, How long did it take you to stop it? Oh, I don't know. Too long, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's said, like it's okay, Mum. I'm going now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, look, look, you can see there's no bruises. She <laughs> no. doesn't do it anymore. Um, we've got time for one last question. Um, Jane has a 20-month-old and a 10-week-old. A beautiful wow. boy, Patrick, who's 20 months old and a 10-week-old girl, Tess. Lovely. When Tess was first welcomed home, Patrick was quite emotional, understandably, yeah. and um, his sleep went out the window, waking multiple times a night. Thankfully, this transition phase only lasted three or so weeks and he's now embraced his beautiful little sister. As of the last week, however, he has started to really fight his day naps, resulting in missing out on them altogether as some um, says I haven't 
had the strength energy to persist. She says, bad mum, you are not a bad mum. No. He is clearly very tired as he rubs his eyes and gets quite clumsy and a bit teary, but cries and cries whenever I try to put him down. At the longest, I've left him 10 minutes to cry it out in a desperate attempt, not a fan of controlled crying, uh, desperate times call for desperate desperate measures, mm. and I'm currently sitting on the rocking chair, chair as he sleeps in my arms. We'll wake oh. up the second I put him in the cot. Yep. His general routine is bed around 7, dinner at 5, followed by quiet play and then bath bed around 6.30 p.m. And waking around 7 to 8 a.m. He would normally nap around Uh 11.30, 12.30 during the day with hardly any fuss. I also take him out to a park every morning to try and release some energy in the hope that might make him fall asleep better and also for his enjoyment. He's resisted his day naps now for approximately five days and putting him to bed at night has become a bit of a juggle with having three or four attempts taking anywhere between 15 to 45 minutes to get him down. Is this a sign he's trying to tell me he's ready to drop his day nap? I'm confused. (laughs) There you go, because he's still showing tired signs. Or is he perhaps going through a developmental phase or am I maybe doing something wrong? I just think he got the timing wrong. Okay. So if he's getting up at 7 to 8 in the morning, you're putting him down too early. So it says here, so what I do is regulate his day because I think he's overtired by the end of the day and that's where you're getting the struggle from because he he's not ready for sleep at 11, 30, 12. Then you fight that for a little bit and then it misses the window and then I think he's overtired by the time you put him down at, se- at 7. So let's see if we can regulate his sleep. So if he goes down at 7... <laughs> somehow and he what we need him to do is wake by seven in the morning and I know it's tempting to leave him till eight but if you leave him to eight you haven't got enough hours in the day to give him a sleep if you want him to go to bed at seven so his hours of the day is more like 12 and a half hours of the day and his is getting shorter not longer plus you're trying to give him a sleep in the middle of it so if you get him up at seven I think put him down at one get him up at 2.30 and put him down at 7.30. And the reason for that is then you're not rushing the baby and him in the evening and he gets a bit of one-on-one time and he'll be calmer. So if he's up at 7, down at 1, up at 2.30 and then down at 7.30 is going to allow you more space. So maybe that little 10-week-old baby, she might be able to get down in or around the seven o'clock window. So you haven't got so many things colliding and he feels he's not getting enough tension. So if we can get her down at seven, from seven to 7.30, then you can do that quiet time with him, couple of stories, bit of a cuddle in his room, much calmer. He doesn't feel as chaotic. And then you've got to reteach him to go down in his bed and then go to sleep from there. But I think your timing's out. So relook at the timing and let us know if that made a difference. Yeah. And um, she does mention she listens to the podcast all the time. So um, please do make sure you yeah. come back to us if you need Yeah, more that's right. Yeah, but I think it's a timing issue. I don't think he's ready to give up his day sleep. All right. Well, Jane, thank you for your question. Good luck. Thank you to everyone who's been watching Helpline via Facebook. And um, thank you for your questions and for those who've sent them in. If you've been listening to us via the podcast but would like to listen to Chris, um, ask Chris your questions live, sorry, you can join us every Friday at 11.30am Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on the Babyology Facebook page. Just search for Babyology on Facebook and we'll be there. You can also write your questions in the comments section or call in on our helpline hotline, which is 1-800-543-772. 
Chris, thank you so much for coming in. Well, it's always a pleasure. This has been Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt. If you want to ask Chris your questions for the next episode, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Feeding a family every night can get quite tedious. That's why on the next episode of Feed, Play, Love, we've got the wonderful women from One-Handed Cooks. In the book, we've got... A lot of ways that you can smuggle veggies or hide veggies in there, but we're not intentionally doing that to hide them. We also want to talk about how you should introduce, incorporate those foods on the side as well for them to experiment with. That's Ali Gaunt, together with dietitian Jess Beaton. She will give lots of ideas on ways we can feed our families that makes life easier and less repetitive. That's on the next episode of Feed, Play, Love. This podcast is produced by Elise Cooper and hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt.